Welcome to the Denver Deep Dive Podcast. We are your hosts, Charlie Cummings and Lorenzo Gonzalez. Thanks for joining us. Our focus is on bringing awareness to the expert knowledge, passion, and personalities that have been and continue to be part of Denver's vibrant growth. We'll be exploring commercial real estate, cryptocurrency, cannabis, food and beverage, and health and wellness, along with the experts operating enthusiastically in each space. Every episode will showcase the individuals impacting these arenas, what they see as industry participants, and what new insights you can take away for yourself and your current ventures. We know we aren't the only shamelessly curious people out there, so if you love learning for its own sake, you're in the right place. Follow us on social media, wherever you consume your podcast. Episode number seven. We've got a fantastic guest today joining us as a new Denver transplant by way of Houston, Texas. Sarah Jane is an ambitious young woman working in construction management, a historically male-dominated industry with a background in civil engineering and management consulting. Her love of architecture, design, real estate, construction, and community building in its most literal sense motivate her to slowly but surely contribute to her company's growth and the future of the construction industry by incorporating the latest technology. Sarah, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess... First question, uh, you, you have a, a couple of really interesting nicknames. You want to <laughs> just tell yeah. us a little bit more about it just so we get uh, a sense of your personality? Yeah, so the most common nickname. So I do go by Sarah Jane, which is a double name. And if you're from the South, that's really common. Mm-hmm. It's a struggle here in Denver. So a lot of people shorten it to SJ. Right. Uh, but then... Saying too many syllables is hard for people sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then this, to top off the double name, my last name is spelt really weird and no one can ever pronounce it. So it's actually pronounced Murby. Um, and to help people remember that, <laughs> I would try to think of things that rhyme with Murby. And so I, I used to be called Murby Derby, which is, <laughs> it could be worse. It could be Murby Furby or <laughs> other really awful things. But so yeah, and, and yeah, my younger years, I think Murphy Derby was the most common. Nickname. That could go on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, right. It's right. like the sound of an event. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Well, so so you've got a really interesting background. I mean, the, the combination of management consulting and construction management seem to make a lot of sense. But I mm-hmm. guess before we move forward, how, how would you explain to someone, you know, what is construction management? What is management consulting? Uh, and then how does that kind of... Yeah translate into the, the, the work that you're doing? Yeah. So I'll start with management consulting. Um, so that's very broad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People probably often ask. Uh, for me, um, I specifically worked in oil and gas consulting. So we would be asked by an oil and gas company to come in and um, kind of audit some of their processes and streamline processes. Mm-hmm. And that could be anything from changing the way they work internally um, or implementing a new technology to help mm-hmm. them with the way they work. Um, so that was m- most common. I-, I think I did more on the technology side of things. Right. Um, but I did a little bit of everything from strategy to technology. Um, and then ma- and then construction management, um, it's pretty different, actually. <laughs> uh, so the easiest way to describe it would be a glorified babysitter. <laughs> um, I love that. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, we the way it works on a project is the developer, the owner, um, is gonna, typically going to hire an architect. Uh, the architect will design a new building, a new concept. And then once that design has been 
fleshed out, uh, they will, the owner and developer will hire a general contractor, which is where I work mm -hmm. and we will manage, uh, so we will price the project. Okay. Uh, we will put together a budget. So we handle the budget, the construction budget, mm -hmm. um, and the schedule. And so two key items, obviously. And then, um, important. yeah, and then we don't actually self perform work. Uh, we subcontract all of the work. And so mm -hmm. every specialty has a different subcontractor in a different company. Right. Um, and so there's a lot that, of people involved in a pretty comprehensive project. It sounds like exactly too many people. So that's why I say, <laughs> that's where I say glorified babysitter because a lot of what we do is, um, working with the subcontractors to make sure they're, um, using the right materials that, they stay under budget. Mm -hmm. um, we're getting prices from them, um, keeping them on schedule, which with the labor force is actually pretty hard, especially mm -hmm. in a city like Denver where construction is booming. Um, right. So getting people scheduled way ahead of time is key. Right. Um, and so, and then we kind of just work all of that information back to the owner. And then we're working constantly with the architect on the design side of things to make sure what they've designed you can actually build. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess, yeah, that, that's actually really interesting. So from, I guess, your experience for someone who is kind of listening to this thinking to themselves, you know, I wasn't aware of this, didn't know how this worked. Is it, I guess a better question is how often has it happened where the initial design isn't executable the way that it's presented? Uh, every project <laughs> in some capacity, right. you know, overall design, I would say, I mean, the architects are, they're smart, you know, of they, course. they know what they're doing. Um, and we, I've worked with really great architects and I've mm -hmm. worked with some that I am not sure how you drew these plans right. or, uh, and if you mm -hmm. used software or if you were just doodling one day, <laughs> um, and it's maybe more creative and, right. and you're wondering how it could actually be built. Um, but on a good team, um, we are working and talking to the architect constantly and they're usually okay with modifications that we're coming up with often on the spot in the field. Something's being built and we're like, if this doesn't get done, our whole schedule is backed up. And so we have to come up with a solution that day. Right. And it's just a lot of fighting buyers. Um, well, yeah, it sounds like in a certain sense, you guys are almost orchestrating how all of the different people or entities or I guess disciplines are interacting with all the other ones because the architect himself might be in a silo designing what he exactly. imagines to be a good design either for himself or for the client, but there might be little areas where it doesn't transit into something that'll actually stand the test of time or be structurally sound or actually make sense with every other part of the building. Right. Right. Yeah. A lot of what we do is <laughs> handling um, just the different silos that there mm -hmm. are. Um, so we're the key point of contact for the project. Uh, we get things done <laughs> right. uh, often. Right. And so uh, we try to keep the owners making decisions because mm -hmm. that will hold us up. Um, and the architect, you know, answering our questions and right. getting information to the engineers, um, anything that might hold us up, we're making sure it's constantly moving. Right. So. Well, and so this is the, the interesting thing, and this will be like a really, really kind of high level question. This is a very specific, I guess, way of working, kind of way at looking at organization and, 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 a, and a specific role to play as a construction manager. How how do you see kind of like the, the management consultant, the construction management fitting into some of your own personal broader life goals? 
in terms of the, the way that you're working here and how that right. relates to... So the good thing about starting in management consulting was that it opened my eyes to the way other industries were doing things. Mm. Um, and so con the construction industry in particular is pretty far behind in terms of um, technology and growth and um, right. just using the latest um, means and methods of doing things. And uh, being in management consulting, that's what it's all about is being ahead of the time. Right. That's what you're you got to figure out how to, to optimize, offer. do something faster or, right. you know, more aesthetically pleasing or. Right. Yeah. And so specifically now I'm um, kind of heading up the charge of uh, <laughs> IT implementation for our company for construction. And so we're using some of the latest uh, technologies on the job site to take photos, to take, mm -hmm. uh, you can actually take photos now, 360 photos mm -hmm. of the building when it's being framed and then you can go back and take it when it's being finished and you can do an x-ray view of you could look at a mm. wall and say oh and you have photos from when they were putting in electrical and putting in plumbing you can look through a wall right so you and can see, see exactly where, materials, yeah. where things are which is state-of-the-art technology and, right and construction is moved slowly to get to this point and and people are resistant to that it's, change obviously yeah. there's a lot of that 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 I've seen and Charlie has seen even more than myself in the commercial real estate industry where, right. you know, the, the use of technology to transmit information mm -hmm. is, is lagging dramatically. Right. But that's cool. Cause it sounds like it was almost a perfect segue. You were able to take observations you made in management consulting and, and what tons of different industries are doing to move forward effectively and competitively. And then just apply that to the construction industry, right. which sounds like hasn't been, moving forward at the same pace. Right, yeah. Uh, one of our biggest implementations now is actually a project management software mm -hmm. so that everything that we do is through the software. Um, mm -hmm. We have drawings at our fingertips. We're able to um, contact the sub subcontractors, the owner, the architect through the software and make sure everybody has the latest information. And for us, organization of information is everything. Yeah, um, I can imagine. It's a lot of back and forth between a lot of different <laughs> parties. So uh, that's been a really cool thing to be a part of. And since I did implementations, I'm actually training um, people on the software now. Um, right. So I'm training our architects, our engineers, and then our employees too as well. So, so would you say that that's one of the best investments right now is some of this technology? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And being a part of a company that's willing to invest in that and to try things out and you can bring new ideas to them. Um, they're not afraid of the change is, right. is huge. And it's a lot. Yeah. So technology is obviously a lot of money, but uh, it really gives us an upper edge. And, and when we present that and we present this single organized front to an owner, that's where we get repeat business. That's where we get clients. Yeah, that Cause that's a lot of things. Some have to try to mm -hmm. keep track of and manage and, and stay on top of. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, so here's here's what I'm super curious about. What about doing all of this, like dot connecting, organization, communication, facilitation? Do you find interesting? Hmm. Oh man. Uh, I love it all. Uh, I think I love working with people. Hmm. I love understanding people, um, how they work, and really that's what our industry is. It's working with people. It's knowing how to call a subcontractor and. Um, build a relationship with them so that they're not sending you a change order every single time that there's an additional piece of work because there will always be additional work. 
there will always be more work than what you were contracted to because that's the nature of You mean the things aren't the same in theory and in practice? (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, And so, and then building relationships with the architect is is, and the design team, um, that will make or break a project. Getting that information information when you need it and getting having them willing to work with you, mm-hmm. um, and that will help you to increase your schedule. You know, move it up. You won't be if you'll you're stuck waiting on answers to questions for two weeks. You're not moving, right. and so a lot of that is just under building those relationships. And often, building the relationship with the architect is a another way to build business uh, because you know, one owner that's going to have so many projects, you know, an architect, you know, an architect, he knows 20 owners sure. that has mm-hmm. projects. And yeah. if they, if you work well with them, they're going to want to work with yeah, you. Yeah. They're a gateway to lots of opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Well, so in terms of things you're doing for yourself right now, personally, professionally, to kind of advance personal life and career simultaneously, yeah. what are, what are some of the things that you're, that you're doing that you're finding effective to, yeah. you know, feel good about how, Things are moving because I guess my reason for asking that, just as a little you know, side note, is there's all there's always people talking about how to figure out work life balance. Do I work all the time forever? Do I not? How are you finding these two things are kind of dovetailing, and, and and what are you doing to kind of manage? Yeah, both. So I'm a big fan of work life balance, maybe more so than mm-hmm. <laughs> most people. Um, I'm able to give more at my job when I'm able to relax and take mm. time to myself. So I would say. Um, that balance for me, uh, even with this move to Colorado has been, you know, exciting getting to spend time outside and, um, you know, taking care of the things that need to be taken care of and having a company that knows that you're going to produce good work. Um, it's not the amount of time that you spend working. Um, and then specifically to like answer your question, things that I'm doing, um, so for me, I would ideally own my own company, mm-hmm. um, and that would be design build because I see the conflict most often being that the design that the architect designs they have it coordinated with the general right. contractor because everyone's in their different silos. Everyone's in their silo and until it's too late, to be honest. Right, um, and it costs a lot more money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so having those des- that design build where you're collaborating from the very beginning is an ideal world. Um, well, and you're the perfect person to know why that's the case. Cause you see exactly where things get lost in translation. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I have a design background in mm-hmm. engineering, but, but I actually do interior design on the side. And so I'm, very nice. I'm doing several projects right now for interior design and awesome. have kind of started my own little company on the side. So to build that design, portfolio. I, I have the construction side of things, but building that design portfolio. Mm-hmm. So that's all work. Um, and then I would say that for me, um, personally uh, being involved in my community and for me in church, mm-hmm. that's where I find I relax. I have peace. Um, and I, I have people that I can rely on and just really, really just take a break from all things work. And well, and that's that's really cool because it, you know it sounds like both personal and work life. There's a heavy emphasis on strong relationships with individuals, right. and the way that the relationships unfold, both personally, professionally, informs the other area. Right. Yeah. Very true. Mm-hmm. It's all relational driven, and that's 
the way I design, um, designing with intent on how the space will be used to build relationships, to foster Mm. those grow those places where you can grow. Whether that's in a home that people are dwelling and got guests coming over, parents, friends. Yeah. Knowing where you're going to entertain and how that will look, or if it's in a community place where Mm -hmm. you've created space that people want to be together. They, they come from maybe different backgrounds in different places, but they find this common ground in a space. Right. Um, And that's where the design gets fun. Well, and this is really cool because this speaks to one of my next questions, but it also reminds me of a conversation you and I had when we were walking around downtown Denver. It's, I don't know how many people think about this, but when you walk around a bustling city, it's, it's hard to comprehend how many people and how much forethought and just passion went into crafting the environment the way that it is. We, I, I can just walk into a coffee shop and I can bump into cool people, but someone years ago had the idea to create that space as it is so that I could have the opportunity to walk in and meet Charlie, for example, or right. I could you know bump into you. I mean, the way that we all met was in a really, really cool communal eating social space that someone came up with and it did its job. We all met, right. we connected. And, and, and there's someone, you know, someone like yourself who's, who's thinking about, well, how is this space going to facilitate human connection? Right. Yeah. That's, you hit the nail on the head. Um, too many people, I think, walk into a space and they just see the, they benefit from the results of it. And, and that's by design too. Right. You don't want someone to, to <laughs> notice everything. Uh, and then there's people like me who walk into a space and automatically start moving walls <laughs> and thinking all of this is a terrible <laughs> place for a couch, <laughs> right? Thinking of all the ways I can change it. Right. And I, I have to sometimes remind myself because <laughs> I will do this when I walk into people's homes and I'm like, this isn't okay. <laughs> Please don't go tell them. I, I hope need to you didn't start design this furniture. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, hold it back, hold back mm-hmm. the reins sometimes <laughs> until they ask for my help. I'm like, right. okay, right. free. <laughs> well, so then <laughs> yeah. I guess what I'm curious about then next is, I mean, Denver's getting a lot of attention mm-hmm. uh, that there's a lot of really cool concepts. I left Denver for 10 years and came back. Mm-hmm. I was in California, New York. So I saw a lot of really mm-hmm. interesting, experiential avant-garde kind of, you know, real estate development, community development designs, being that you're from Texas and, and, and you've transplanted here recently, what are some of the things that you're seeing Denver doing and, and how do you see this idea of like community fostering mm-hmm. and, and, and relationship gathering contributing yeah. to Denver and how do you see some of the projects in Denver contributing to that kind of community building? Yeah. Well, I, I will say that out of all the cities I've visited, Denver has the most um, community concept uh, just buildings where mm-hmm. you have multiple stores and vendor, like food vendors in one building mm-hmm. with like a communal bar um, and, and so I, that's not common. Uh, that wasn't definitely not common in Texas. Um, I think maybe in Texas people like a little more privacy and mm-hmm. <laughs> here, Denver is an interesting place because there, I think the majority of people in Denver, um, are interested in, have common interests. So they, they love the right. outdoors. They love, um, 300 days of sun, they're, you know, they're happy and they, they want to do that with other people. Right. Um, and so it's interesting because in Houston, food was a necessity and it was the only thing to do because there wasn't the outdoors. Mm -hmm. So you just created restaurants and you knew people would come because it was, 
feeling yeah, Where else are they going to go? Right. And you wanted to create big restaurants with lots of seating mm-hmm. um, that could house large groups of people because that was a common hangout event. I think here people are coming from all over um, and they're in this transitional kind of state and they don't necessarily want to be inside all of the time unless it's an experience. Right. And so they want a place where they can come in and they can get the experience of multiple things in one place. And they don't feel like they're just going to sit at a restaurant, uh, which I think is really cool. They can wander around. They can go look around. Yeah. They can meet new people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very open. It's um, not closed off at all. There's not there's often like communal tables. People are sharing. Um, So I, I think that's. An interesting thing about Denver, and I think that we can't get enough of it. Uh, it's obviously growing, so that's you know, self-explanatory. But fifty thousand people a year. Yeah, and there's like there's a lot of young young people that are going to utilize right. these types of places. We want to socialize. We want to explore. Mm-hmm. We want to and meet new people. I think a lot of people come here not knowing right. everyone. Um, in Houston, it was very much you were kind of born and raised in Texas and so you had family or you had friends right. and you wanted to just stick with them and not meet as many people mm-hmm. um, here I think everybody's looking for that sense of community and they're not exactly sure where to find it so if you can create a place that serves functionally as I need dinner but also <laughs> <laughs> but also you it's a social activity mm-hmm. um, I think it's pretty great yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice because it makes it easy for someone to just walk out their front door, walk across the street, or you know, leave their apartment on the thirteenth floor and have seventeen things right. to do in their building on the right. first floor, right? Or walk across the street and there's more stuff, right? Yeah, it, it's it's creating neighborhoods within yeah. a city structure because I think Denver also has a great neighborhood scene. Mm-hmm. Every neighborhood you go to in Denver has its own cute little street where they have harvest festivals and you go hang out and people have their dogs. So how do we transition that to the city life? If if Denver keeps growing, we create neighborhoods in the city. There's a place for people to go and to a festival, um, bring their dogs, meet people, hang out. Little streets, alleyways, pockets, Right. The greatest use of alleys and things like that. I think that's how Denver as a city, the city part is going to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that we've seen the the market with right now in construction, multifamily housing is the biggest thing that we're building. everywhere, everywhere, yeah. everywhere. That's number one. That's necessity. Number one. I think that as that cycle goes down, we're going to see the increase in what's next food, right. entertainment, amenities, amenities. Yeah. That's necessity. Number two. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't think that. The construction industry is going to slow. I think it's going to shift. Sure. Yeah, it'll be a different thing needs to be built. Right. And the, and I mean this is totally anecdotal, but what I see when I drive around or I don't see a lot of big apartment buildings that are just by themselves. Mm-hmm. It's an apartment building that might be by itself, but it's in, in a neighborhood where there's a ton of amenities around it, or the entire first floor. You've got a barber shop and a yoga studio and a hair salon and a. Yeah. And, you know, a, a juice place and a little grocery store or like a coffee shop. And, and I can leave my apartment and have things to do versus being in an apartment complex that's sort of like siloed right. by itself away from everything. Right. And I think that's the the trend of what people are wanting. People are actually moving back into cities. Mm-hmm. And they want things to be walkable, close right. by. Um, and 
the weather here. Uh, it's nuts. <laughs> if you're not walking somewhere, <laughs> right. it's just sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it's a perfect place to be investing in, in, in that market and that. to be building things that, that you know, entertain that. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you sort of touched on it just a second ago in terms of, of, of how you see the execution of construction kind of unfolding, but what else ideas, concepts, innovations, et cetera, are you seeing either with how people are doing construction management, things are being built, yeah, stuff that, you know, that, that you're probably privy to that you're seeing happening before everyone else because of the space that you're in. So, yeah. So we've touched a little bit on, you know, technology. Mm-hmm. Um, I think an innovation or innovations that are even more in the future would be, automation and construction. So right now the biggest struggle is a labor shortage Mm -hmm. and, and it's all, it's also the most expensive thing we pay for. Um, so I actually have some friends back in Houston who are in the design process of building robotics that can actually, uh, form concrete and then backfill Mm. it with concrete. And so, it completely takes out the the labor right, for, for laying foundations and like mm. yeah for building foundations and even concrete walls concrete mm. you can build concrete houses and it also takes out the error in design um, so you can actually upload a design into the program and it's gonna the robot's gonna you that's know, amazing it. So you've got greater levels of consistency to what the right. product looks like exactly and and one of your biggest problem with foundations and cracking is inconsistencies and so having that you know, just less right. of a margin of error is, is crucial. And I see that being the future of our industry is more things will be automated. Um, this is still in obviously design, sure. Um, but it's moving forward and there's a lot of supporters of it. And I think, I think that's where we see our industry going is into automation and robotics. Love that. Well, and so that's a really good transition to, what a young person, college student, or someone might be looking to. If if someone is out there thinking to themselves, mm-hmm. you know what, I love design, I love architecture, I, I love construction, I love people, uh, with all of these innovations that you're seeing happening, what things would a young person looking at this industry want to consider in terms of yeah. how they can enter it? And, and and what things would they want to be either cautious of or or avoid doing if they're looking to enter this, this field? Yeah, so typically the route has always been you – go to school for construction management, mm-hmm. you graduate, you work for a general contractor or a subcontractor. Um, but I actually think because the industry is expanding that there's going to be room for people in the technology room, people in needed, needed people in technology, mm. um, you know, in robotics and in engineering that are going to be in the construction industry that may not have been in it before. And there's new types of jobs that Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we're moving forward. I, I hope we're, moving, <laughs> hope we're right. moving forward. Um, but then I will say that, um, like for me, I have a very untraditional background to get into the industry. Um, mm-hmm. I did engineering and then obviously consulting. I took the harder route, so I wouldn't suggest that, <laughs> but, <laughs> don't um, do what you did. Don't do uh, but, but I think there's, because the industry is so hands-on and you learn, when you get out there that someone that doesn't have that background shouldn't be afraid to enter into it right? because it, it is what you make of it. You can get out into the field and learn everything there is on a job site right. and that's needed. So I would say that's, 
Well, I bet there's an instance too where the person's background, no matter how seemingly unrelated, will still influence how they operate in the space because right. they're going to pull all their experiences into an industry that doesn't have those perspectives. Right. And we need more of that. Right. Uh, we, we have a lot mm -hmm. of people that are very, very similar. Um, so we need the diversity. Um, mm -hmm. It's been cool to see more women get into the industry, which mm -hmm. we still haven't seen the full effects of. Um, most upper management at construction companies is all men. Mm -hmm. And so as these people are being, women are being developed and built into this industry, we'll see it. I think we'll see a change in the way of thinking. Um, and that's, that, that makes a ton of sense because in an industry that is so heavily reliant on communication, mm -hmm. interpersonal communication, you know, interactions, yeah. organizing how people interact with each other. I can't, I can't imagine a downside to having more people with more perspectives right. Right. Operating in that space. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. And I see it. I see it right. benefiting companies. Love it. Mm -hmm. Well, so two final questions. What, you know, books, videos, courses, mentors, education materials, et cetera, have, have you personally found really impactful mm -hmm. as you're moving through this industry? Yeah. So for me, it's been um, definitely mentors uh, back in Houston and then mm -hmm. here that have just been willing to take me under their wing and and, and teach me. Um, and honestly, <laughs> the best experience you can get is actually being on a construction site. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of people come in out the trenches. of yeah, in the trenches, in the work boots on the ground. I think a lot of people come straight out of college and want to go to the office and do project management. And, and I'm guilty of that. It, it being in the field is not easy and it's not glamorous. Right. Um, but there, there is no better education than visually seeing what's going on, being there when the the problems hit and you've got to solve. And how people react to them, how that affects right. timelines. And yeah, and learning relation, learning how to relate to a foreman in the field that's pouring concrete. Right. And also being able to relate to an owner. Right. Is sitting in his office looking at spreadsheets. Right. Yeah. And so. There's no better way to experience that and to, to get out there. And so I constantly have to t tell myself, because I'm a little past that point, but I constantly have to tell myself, okay, you just need to go to the job site today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just need to go, cool. you know, check the temperature, see what's going on, see what your superintendent needs, right. and, and just show your face. And every time I'm out there, I learn something new. So Staying humble. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, love that. Well, so where can people learn more about, you know, you, your company, your guys' work, construction management in general. Yeah, yeah. So the company I work for is Pinkard Construction. They are a Colorado native, been around for 50 years. Um, so very family-owned mm -hmm. environment. We still have, you know, potlucks and <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the good old stuff. Um, so that's uh, our website, uh, pinkardcc.com. And then... Um, my stuff on the side, I do interior design. It's called Dwelling Place Design, and it's dwellingplace.design. Mm -hmm. um, so that is under construction <laughs> in a literal sense. <laughs> See what she did? <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm doing a full uh, remodel of the house right now. And so that I'm going to, that's, I'm posting pictures of the process, so mm. it's kind of walking through. So people can get a sense of your aesthetic, your yeah. kind of overall approach to 
yeah, and step by step. So mm. you could just follow it and go build a house now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Great. Well, this this is really cool. I, I appreciate the insight. I appreciate you know you jumping on with us, and yeah. you know, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, I really appreciate appreciate y'all having me. <laughs> Absolutely.